You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bridge to You podcast. I am your host, Monique Russell. And today in my guest chair, I have the incredible Jennifer Tomlinson and the amazing Jessica Reed. Jessica is a writer, youth educator, and proud ice cream lover from Detroit, Michigan. And Jennifer is a college professor of African-American studies and dean of learning support. They have both been cornerstone episodes for Bridge to You, previous guests whom everybody loves. For those of you that have not listened to the shows, Jessica spoke to us about her travels to South Africa, how she was shocked to see the reception of African-Americans. She spoke about her hometown of Detroit and how, though she held positive feelings about it, she was surprised when others were not having the same views. We really learned from her on how to lean into difficult conversations and really take the things to the next level. Our next guest was Jennifer Tomlinson. Jennifer talked to us about all things intersectionality. She really helped us to understand what it's like to learn about race, to learn about ethnicity, and to learn about how we self-actualize in this process. Ladies, Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Jessica, I really want to jump right on into this right now. We are in this time period where we talk about trauma and we understand trauma from this aspect of trauma from other races towards Black cultures, the white race towards Black cultures. We talk about it sometimes from an individual perspective. We talk about it from a collective perspective, but rarely do we talk about what trauma looks like for us as Black people, as a Black community and in between Black cultures. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think the first thing that I think about is internalized mentalities of self-degradation, excuse me. And just thinking back to the transatlantic slave trade and how millions upon millions of Black people were uh, stolen from Africa and taken to the Caribbean, to South America, to the United States of America, and how in order to perpetuate the system of white people profiting off of Black bodies, a lot of like mind games uh, and mind destruction um, was planted in terms of like how we see ourselves as Black people. So like within the United States of America, um, we have a lot of conversations about like colorism and uh, light versus dark skin and dark versus light skin, et cetera, or 
even today, there are stereotypes between Black cultures. And I think a lot of the work is just really figuring out like how to really first acknowledge that Blackness is not monolithic, partly because of the trauma, but also like because of just like the richness of everybody's individual experiences. But within that, there, I think there has to be a lot of um, intentional daily askings of yourself and ourselves of, okay, am I internalizing um, the colonized mentality? Um, am I loving myself? Am I loving someone else, even though their Black experience looks different than mine? Am I perpetuating my definition of Blackness based on like my experience? Or am I understanding that Blackness is all encompassing of all of our melanated people who are descended from Africa? So yeah, I just think a lot of the trauma manifests in terms of like our mentalities. Of course, it manifests in other ways, but that's like, that sticks out to me a lot is how like, how does it affect me in terms of the way that I think about being Black and other people being Black? Mm-hmm. I think that's real good. Jennifer, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, Jessica, I mean, she hitting everything already. Um, <laughs> the word that I love that Jessica used was that word internalized. And white supremacy as a system was very effective in the fact that descendants of, of Africa in America internalized white supremacy. It was all intentional, you know, to pit us against each other, to control us, um, the house slave versus the field slave, and then even Jessica bringing up colorism, those that were fathered by white masters coming out as light, lighter skinned and maybe having some favor from the slave master father and that creating tension among descendants of Africa in America, right? And so then that's been a lineage, that's ancestral, that's generational, that's almost like in our DNA. So now it plays out in trauma that looks like colorism, elitism, classism. So even within the African-American community, they have these struggles and it all connects back to slavery. So that white supremacy and slavery as an institution was very effective in creating long lasting trauma and allowing us honestly to be pitted against each other. Now, when it comes to like immigrants to America who are also black, it plays out in other ways, right? Um, people are coming to America for the American dream. They wanna become American so that the need to assimilate and to be known as American, also keeping your identity and culture, but you wanna be known as American at, the, at your job. You wanna be known as the best worker at your job and you wanna eat the McDonald's hamburger to feel American and shop at the you know, mall. Um, that that uh, need to assimilate creates this need to differentiate from blackness. So mm. I'm coming in with my nationality and my ethnicity, even though I'm black, I could be from Africa, I could be from an island, I'm black. But I want people to know, no, I'm Jamaican first. I work hard. I'm a hardworking Jamaican to differentiate from African-Americans or Blacks in America. And, you know, that's the whole, like, attempt to be the model minority. Like, I, we come from here. We're not like those Blacks. We're the good, we're the good Negroes, excuse me, you know. But <laughs> a lot of ways, that's what it looks like. And so you have this trauma among Black people, like this, this um, tension among Black people. And then we're just kind of reinforcing that trauma, perpetuating that trauma, generation after generation, at the end of the day, you are Black, right? That's all internal, so. What if, oh my God, so, okay, so a lot of things here. So you're, you're, you're helping us to connect, like, this is a trauma response. Colorism is a trauma response. Classism, elitism, which I would want you to explain a little bit into those, just in case, you know, our listeners aren't really familiar with what those categories mean. 
So this this model minority is a trauma response. That's what you're saying. Yeah. How am I accepted or how do I work in the system? The system is not designed for me. So how am I going to work in it? How am I going to find my place? How am I going to be successful in a white supremacist world? So I might not be white, but I could at least make sure that I get out the hood, get a good house, um, make a lot of money and see, I'm not like those blacks. That's classism, right? Like Mm. I've I've come out of the lower economic sphere and now I'm in the higher 1%. So I'm not like them. And then um, elitism is just, it can be anything. It's like, well, I'm a good Christian. You're not a real Christian or... uh, um, because my, my parents have a college degree and no one in your family has a college degree. I'm more educated than you in this. So it's, it's an attempt to find place and it's an attempt to grab any sense of power in a world that you're not designed to have power in. Mm. Um, and, and to your point, Monique, that is trauma response. How am I going to survive in this world? Mm. You know? So, but, but, okay. So I, I follow and I understand what the whole, um, classism and the colorism can fall into because it's race related but the elitism I feel like that's not something unique to us as black people no it's not it's that's pervasive everywhere elitism is just a thing that happens in all demographics but in this context to answer that question you can see how it plays out in the black community Mm -hmm. um but yeah if you have power you're an elite you know, you go to the best schools, you drive the best cars, you can go on Instagram and show it off if you're a white person. Like that's that's elitism mm. in the sense that you think you're better than someone else because of whatever um, whatever power structure you have access to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Jessica, I, I, I want to find out from you because I know Detroit is heavily populated with Black people. And so how have you experienced this growing up or what has been your experience growing up or even just in your work as a as an educator well something that fascinates me is like the history of like the great migration of black people from the south to the north so like there were two waves i think the first one was around world war 1 and the second one was around the second world war i want to say but i uh, i remember learning about like the national urban league and how like they came out with the pamphlet and this like connects to what Jennifer was saying, although it's not speaking to like immigrants from out of the country, but immigrants from the South, if we can put it that way. And like the National Urban League came out with the pamphlet of like, how should Black people from the South carry themselves so that they're more respectable? So you should dress like this. You should have these hygiene practices, things like that. So one, I just think it's so interesting that like being born and raised in a city like Detroit or like Chicago, Harlem or New York, excuse me, um, we have that unique history of having so many Black people coming from the South and kind of that spirit of elitism kind of um, permeating our story. And I think that uh, for me growing up uh, in the city, I didn't really understand that like being Black could, could manifest in so many different ways. Um, I didn't really meet a lot of Black people who who were from, um, who were like from immigrant families. I didn't really meet a lot of Black people who were from Latin America, for instance. So I think that I didn't really get exposed to like the diversity of Blackness, but what I did get exposed to was like the pride of being Black. Um, And I'm really grateful for that because coming up in a city that was over 80% Black, I was raised around people who just like loved our skin tone, who who loved um, just like the the fact that we were Black. But I'm not going to deny that I definitely had experiences in school where like 
colorism manifested. Um, the pretty girls were often the light-skinned girls um, and, and the other way around too. And hair was a big thing, right? So like, that's another way, like our, our perceptions of beauty um, is a trauma response when we think that um, there's only one way to be beautiful. Um, and often that's like aligned with like this Eurocentric standard. Um, so I, I definitely experienced a lot of hardship with that. But as far as like the adults that I was connected to, as far as like teachers and mentors and uh, programs that I was a part of, there was a lot of pride. Like you should be proud of yourself. Like you are made of greatness, things like that. Um, and I feel very grateful for that. But as far as like a peer to peer level, it wasn't that same. We weren't there yet as far as mentality. Mm. That That is amazing because so many times you feel like, or you hear the stories from a stance where it's like, okay, for if you are a black American, if you grew up in, in America and you are black, your um, experiences have been colored about blackness from a place of inferiority or a place of um, thinking that we're less than, but that's not been your experience. You had pride and black pride poured into you. And I feel like that is something really exceptional to call out uh, yeah. because it, it challenges the, the stereotypes. I know you talked about stereotypes and shit, and I want to just move right into that, like stereotypes and generalizations. Like, are they the same thing? What is the difference? Can I say something real quick to, to that point too, before we get in, um, and I'll, I'll get to the stereotype thing too, because I think there is a unique experience. I don't know how old you are, Jessica. I think you look fabulous. So I'm not going to say we, but I'm an elder, I'm an elder millennial. So right there, X and millennial, like that little chunk, that group, us, I'm saying us, I don't, I'm assuming, you know, but us we were very unique where we had, we had this great opportunity to leverage between black pride, but also still dealing with racism because we did come in that era where um, we just had great examples of, of flourishing blacks in the media. And, um, and similar to your story, my dad didn't play no games that we used to learn about our people. <laughs> my mother <laughs> teach me about Jamaican history. Like, you know, so I was very much filled with that pride as well, but had to navigate. I mean, I'm from the South for those that are listening still having to navigate racism in the South. I think the only thing I can think of that's similar to that experience are those um, children that were raised by parents in the 60s and the 70s. Because if you remember at that point, there was also that resurgence of Black pride, Black power, Afros and dashikis. And that's a unique, that's where my dad is from. That's that unique grouping too that had that interesting play between pride but also, you know, the conflict with dealing with racism and having to constantly fight that self-hatred that is so easy to, um, to manifest. Monique, to your other question, I'm sorry, I just had to say that because Jessica- No, you're good. That, that was dope. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the stereotype and generalization thing, I think is such a good clarifying question for people to have because you'll see people who want to perpetuate white supremacy and not knowing that they're doing that say, well, why can't I just speak generally? I need to just talk. And, and it's, it's pretty simple in my mind that a generalization is something that is general and that we're speaking and using um, terminology generally just to move conversation forward because there's a collective consciousness. There's things that we all know to be true with exceptions. So when you speak generally, you know you're speaking, but everyone in the space should know, yeah, there's a few exceptions, you know? Like when I, so for example, we know that humans walk on their feet. 
right? Like we're, we're, what's the word bipeds or whatever? Like we both, we walk upright. Um, and so we can generally say, yeah, humans walk on their feet. There's, that's not a stereotype. People shouldn't get offended with that. And we know in our collective consciousness that there's some people that are wheelchair bound or paralyzed that don't walk. So we know that generally humans walk, but in the back of our minds, we know that there are exceptions. Stereotypes is when you have opinions about the exceptions. So I don't like when people come at me with this argument like, well, I don't have a case to be able just to talk. You can talk, but there's something happening with what you're saying. There you have a rationale about a particular type of people, which doesn't make sense. It's irrational. So if I generally say that uh, most people walk on their feet, but some don't, and those that don't walk on their feet who are in wheelchair are lazy, that's a stereotype and it's irrational, right? So I think just to clarify, I think that's such an important thing for people that are entering social justice conversations or racial justice conversations to know the difference between what a stereotype and a generalization is. There's nothing wrong with generalizations. There is something innately wrong with stereotyping a group of people um, based on whatever bias that you have in your mind about them. That's good. That's good. Jessica, you want to add to that? No, uh, not not at the moment. <laughs> that that was that was pretty sufficient <laughs> in my it opinion. It was solid, <laughs> yeah. solid, solid, solid. You have to know the difference between these stereotypes and generalizations because otherwise, you just keep perpetuating the same type of behaviors, not knowing that you are harming. You know, now you find yourself. You, you are operating in from a trauma response, but you're also perpetuating the same thing yeah. over and over. And you know, when you're talking about this interracial thing, you know, Jessica, I know you're from, from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I are from the island. Mm-hmm. We stereotype each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. You know, end up creating more tension between us than actually uniting us to, to, to move forward and work, you know? And I have the Nigerian um, heritage too. And that is an entirely different aspect of mm-hmm. the stereotype and the division. And, and what I like, Jessica, when you, talk, when you were talking earlier and you talked about the diversity of Blackness, like you, did, mm-hmm. you, didn't, you weren't exposed to the diversity of Blackness and there's so many ways to be Black. I think that is a very potent point yep. for us to kind of expand on. So like now we're talking about diversity and inclusion Mm-hmm. in black cultures mm-hmm. so if you don't have that experience of diversity in black cultures it doesn't mean that you can't be inclusive because jessica you found yourself to south africa like i'm loving <laughs> on my people like i'm african y'all i'm coming home <laughs> so it doesn't mean that you know you had you had some awareness you had something that drove you but for many many people even when they have the diversity of Black cultures around them, they may struggle to be inclusive. So, you know, both of you guys, you, you guys are very aware and you're in that space of educating and sharing your stories. What would you say to someone who is struggling with this trauma default? I think of this story where, you remember that story when the elephant was small and, and at the zoo and they put the elephant in the cage and and when the elephant became an adult, they opened the cage, but the, the elephant still stayed inside, still mm-hmm. didn't go out. And mm-hmm. so I feel like this is what we're dealing with. It's like, 
we're no longer in the place where we're being hung and we're being taken from Africa on boats and we're having the same physical conditions that our ancestors had. The mental trauma has passed down, but we're not physically entrapped, but we're still behaving or carrying on in a way as though we are experiencing the exact same physical conditions that they have had. And so when we talk about being inclusive among Black cultures, how do we now, how do we foster this connection or what tools have you guys used to help people to begin to see these things differently or see each other in the Black community differently? Well, I, I really believe in the power of relationship. So if there's ever an opportunity for you to like get to know somebody who is Black but from a different culture than yours, and I hope I'm not being confusing when I'm saying like from a different culture, but like I think that we should take make the most out of those opportunities to be like, hey, I, I just want to learn more about you. Like what's important to your family? What are some values that you uphold? What are some uncomfortable conversations that, you know, you might have had with your family about like my people and like vice versa. There has to be like this openness. There has to be like this this courage. There has to be like this willingness to say stuff that might not sound right, that might be offensive, you know? Um, Cause we, we have to get it right. And it might take some time for us to be closer to perfect in the way that we communicate with one another, but we have to start somewhere. I think social media is, it can be a beast sometimes in the worst way, but it can also be a powerful connector. Hence the way that both of us connected with you, Monique. And I think if there's any opportunity for us to use social media to its fullest power, we should be seeking out people whose stories look different than our own and, and reaching out to say, hey, I want to learn more about you. Or when they post a blog about their experiences growing up in the islands or being um, someone who's of African descent living in the UK or another country, read it, learn more about them, watch the YouTube video. Not saying that that's going to give you sufficient knowledge of like people's experiences outside of your own, but maximize those opportunities to learn about people um, within a diaspora, but also be brave and vulnerable enough to, to share your story, to share your questions, to share your shortcomings with other people. I love that. I love that. Like lean into that space and just really find out what the story was like. You know, we talked about story storytelling earlier um, on one of our episodes. You talk about the the power of storytelling and how this is something that we as Black people, this is in our DNA, like mm -hmm. oral traditions and passing it down. But sometimes we have gotten away from this and we feel like we have to tell these stories behind closed doors and not really forming those um, community and collective bonds. So I love that these steps that you're given, like, look, go look for somebody else who's Black and learn about their experiences. It doesn't matter if you are of the same ethnicity because your story and your experience is different. Yeah. So to Jamaican people, to Nigerian people, to American people, even though you share the the same race, your story and your experience could be different. And that could be a, a springboard to deeper inclusion in, um, in the community. Mm -hmm. Or a couple other other things that just came up to me um, as someone who considers myself to be an educator. I think we also like play a role in the teaching spaces and in the learning spaces that we find ourselves uh, facilitating conversations in. So like one thing that one of my goals is to grow in my ability to inspire my kids to celebrate Blackness in all of its forms and to um, interrogate, like, who told them what Blackness means and do they agree with that definition um, to, to teach them about other, like, ethnicities and cultures within 
um, Blackness. Um, so I think that we can plant seeds early on um, in the classroom, but also in our families. Like hearing Jennifer talk about how her parents were like, you're going to learn today um, when it comes to like their cultural traditions. So I think that those are two ways, like the intimate spaces that we have at the dinner table or like outside on the porch or in the classroom, we should make the most out of that and, and model an openness and willingness to, a willingness to learn for like the young people who are looking up to us. Mm -hmm. So Jessica, what I love about what you just said, well, you started off talking about relationships and I think that's so important too. And this is the advice I give potential white allies. It takes courage to enter spaces or to meet new people and to just be like, I might mess up. And I tell white people this all the time, you are going to say something's going to offend somebody. Mm -hmm. The only way you're going to learn is if you just sit back and take it. Like, okay, what did I do wrong? And that is a skill set I struggle with even with myself and why I appreciate people like Monique, who is teaching us communication skills, emotional intelligence and stuff, because that is a skill set that you need to be able to meet new people and be courageous and brave enough to engage in stories and to share and to, to receive and not stereotype people as you're receiving information, right? And so I think that's so important is the relationship part. And I love that we're both educators. So our obvious default is mm -hmm. education is the key, you know? It's uh, so much so that I even have to think outside, outside the box. Like I'm sure there are, obviously there are other ways to help um, bridge these gaps. Um, but, you know, being an educator, I feel like that's just such a foundational part, whether it's informally at home or um, in the media you consume or formally through formal education. But we have to learn about the systems we exist in. We have mm -hmm. to learn about our society. We have to learn about our institutions and then be self-aware of our proximity to those institutions. We also have to learn our history. What has influenced you? What has created your biases and your framework? You have to learn that stuff to be able to break free from it. And so people like us, you know, we spend time educating who we can in the hope that it will, you know, spread around and everybody will, each one will teach one. But education is such an important component in, in fixing this, right? Like, who are you? Where do you exist? How do you operate in the systems? And then unpack all that bad stuff, you know? Mm, I love that. And, and the thing about it is, it's like, so what you're, you are saying is we need communication skills. We need interpersonal skills. We need emotional intelligence. We need resilience. We have to really dive into all aspects of communication in order to like really move forward as a people. And, and then just being able to have that courage to say, okay, I know that people feel this way about other Black cultures, but I don't have to feel that way. And I think going inside of ourselves and really having love and compassion for ourselves is one of the things that will drive it. One of the um, previous episodes I had was with Wodemaya, who was a Ghanaian YouTuber. And he talked about leaving Ghana and trying to identify as everything but African. And then he went through this journey and after this journey of self-awareness and discovery, it sort of propelled him now to have a greater impact. So he has almost a million YouTubers who've been wow. inspired because of his work, his self-awareness work, his unity work, you know, showcase in Africa. And I feel that's exactly what we need to do. Yeah. We need to just help people to go within. And then from a historical standpoint, what was it like pre-colonization? Because I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in 
our history starting or beginning with colonization, and that's not where it started. That's not really where it began. Imagine that you find yourself in a situation with someone who's on the constant receiving end of trauma between Black cultures who, who have really have this mindset now that, you know what, I'm done with Black folks. Our folks are this, our folks are that. Like, you can't do this with Black people. You can't uh, work with Black people. You have this really rigid mindset of trauma. How would you advise this person or how would you work with this person who has so much trauma embedded within them towards other Black cultures? I don't want to dismiss the trauma that they've experienced, the lack of acceptance, the complexities that they face. But I think it's important to realize that like this story is like bigger than any one person. So how can we um, live a love letter to like the generations that come after me? This is hypothetically speaking. If I encountered a lot of Black people who were just like not giving me the acceptance, the belonging, the closure that I feel that I need so I can embrace who I am to understand who I am better. Um, what can I do as one person to like help change that narrative so that when my kids are born, um, that they can love who they are so that they can celebrate blackness while also understanding that we're gonna have a lot of question marks. That's the wound of trauma is that like, some of us may never get the answers that we're looking for specifically but we can help to continue the narrative of our community by trying to love on each other, trying to start the change within ourselves. Um, so I, I think that would be the encouragement that I would give that person. And also a big word for me is just grace, like understanding that everybody is on their own journey. Um, even those that we love the most, they might say some things that are really hurtful. Um, but just know that in the same way that they might be struggling in that area of identity, we're struggling in another area ourselves. And um, grace can be such a helpful gift to give to them just as we should give it to ourselves so that we can have those tough conversations and, and hopefully see changes um, on a community level in terms of the confidence and the pride that we have in being Black. Mm. So I think that would be kind of my approach to it. My God, I think I need to pass the offering plate, Jessica, because that was so powerful. I absolutely, oh my God, you want to pass the offering plate too, Jennifer? Because listen, it's, you know, it was like you, when you said, okay, all these things happened to me. They did happen to you. That's legitimate. Those things happened to you. We're not dismissing it. Now it happened to you. Let's think about how you don't want to pass those same things on to someone else. Like we don't have to because, okay, it's tough for me. The world has been mean to me. That doesn't mean I need to be mean to the world. Let's work on healing ourselves and then really being intentional about how we now choose to, to create positive experience for others, especially for our children and for the next generation, because then it just opens us up to so much more. And we don't have to take it on as though it's some big project. It's just one person you can start with that can really shift somebody's perspective. One person. I remember even before, um, go into Nigeria, even my own, it's in my own heritage. I had my own negative stereotypes. And then when I encountered Nigerians that didn't match the stereotypes, I was like, wait a minute, what's, what's going on here? So one person who can have a positive encounter with someone who 
they may hold a negative view of can totally shift somebody's experience. I just want to add one more thing. Um, Have y'all ever formed like a relationship with someone and then you look back like, wow, like I'm so grateful that they're a part of my life. Like, I don't know what my life would have been like without the wisdom or the presence that they placed in my life. I think if we're not open to connecting with people who look different than us, we might diminish the richness of our life. We might miss out on some opportunities and some stories that can really um, help us to grow, help us to like love more fully, um, help us to see a little bit more clearly. Um, So I think we should look at it from an angle of like self-love as well. Like how can I love myself better by like trying to put myself out there even though it's scary to like forge connections with people um, that are authentic and that are vulnerable and, and that are fruitful in some way. Mm, see another mic drop connection with other black cultures is a form of self-love. That's the activism challenge right there. Right. I, I'm, I'm having a bit of a therapy moment with you all. Um, and it honestly started, um, I went to Jamaica for my birthday last week. I've never never gone to Jamaica like as a vacation I ain't even tell nobody so if they listen to the podcast my family's gonna be mad I didn't tell nobody me and my best friend went she wanted to go really we got the all-inclusive thing did the tourist thing that's the first time I've ever gone back and like had fun and I'm sitting there like why have I not wanted to come back here and I had built up a framework that just was frustrated with my people, specifically the men, but that's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother story, whole nother therapy session. Um, and so, you know, Jessica is talking about self-love. So you're thinking about how diverse stories is a, and, and getting to know different pe- Black people in our lives is a form of self-love. And I, I had to actually connect with my own people in a way that was absent, <laughs> in a way that was absent from, um, you know, trauma childhood trauma um, and coming and, and finding love again for my island and my people. And so that's a whole nother topic. But I think that what I wanted to say is I, I, it's so important to understand context and to understand history, because why would I put my issues with my people or the black community on black people? They didn't invent racism. They did not invent colonialism. Hmm capitalism that's a white thing so the fact that we divert to self-hate or help hating our own instead of calling out the people in power that created the systems that created the hate in the first place I think that's such an important piece for us to really really think about how we see ourselves how we view ourselves how we see each other as black people whether you're from the islands Nigeria Africa you know a Latin American country whatever we don't have to hate each other. We didn't create the system. We got to love each other and fight the powers that are perpetuating the system, you know? So I had a whole therapy session while Jessica was talking. So thank you, Jessica. <laughs> Incredible. And listen, everybody that's listening, they're going to be going to therapy when they listen to this podcast too. So I hope you guys are taking notes because Jennifer, when you said, look, you had to find a way to connect with your people outside of trauma, that is potent Mm -hmm. so if there is ever an action that anybody that is listening to this show can take it's like okay you don't like your people go on vacation in your hometown (laughs) 
No, yeah. seriously. Like I'm, I want to break it down as specific yes. as that. Go be a tourist in your hometown don't and, and experience. Okay, but I don't know, but don't tell your family. Oh, Lord, I don't know. Well, 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 t- don't tell your family because it may cause some trauma. So the whole action, this, the whole purpose and the action of this uh, task or challenge is for you to experience your culture and your people in a different way from what you have been accustomed to. So go and experience them. If you go on vacation, they're all inclusive. They have to have nice customer service and all of that stuff. So go on there and and experience what it is like to be um, pampered, supported, treated, loved, um, connected with your people. And I know this is something that is so real because a lot of my friends who are from different um, African countries and Caribbean countries, it's like until you embrace all aspects of yourself, good parts, bad parts, whatever, until you embrace all aspects of yourself, which includes your country, your place of origin, until you do that, you are in that space of self-hate. You know, you may have self-love in other areas, but you're still in that aspect of self-hate because you're not loving every aspect of yourself. It may be difficult. I remember I was like, I ain't tell nobody I'm the Nigerian because they got the 419 scams. They got all of these stuff and, and it didn't have a good reputation. But yeah. when I really embrace myself and I, I embrace all parts, yeah, that's true. They got the scams. They got corruption. It's not all clean. Some parts are dirty but that's not the whole story. And I think personally in our lives, we have the same thing. And that's why when we're not allowing ourselves to embrace all of us, it's like, yeah, we got some bad character traits. Yeah, we ain't doing everything we supposed to do. Yes, we having some negative self-talk, but that's not the whole story. That's not all of us. But when we begin to embrace all of us, now we open up ourselves to do what Jessica says, we say, okay, now we're going to do radical self-love. We're going to say, you know what? Meeting other Black people, other Black cultures, leaning into their stories, that's an act of self-love. And don't you love yourself enough to have more rich and diverse experiences? I, I don't mean to keep this going longer, but I think something that I struggle with is like people who deny their Blackness. So like I've learned a lot about like, how there's been like a movement for like people who are like Afro-Latinx to like reclaim that pride of being Black and to learn more about that history. But like, I get, I get really, really upset when people are like, I'm not Black. And I'm like, what? You Black. So I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like when I was talking about grace, I was talking to myself as well. Um, and I, I do hope that there's like more of, a, of an acceptance and a celebration, not just an acceptance or a resignation, but like a celebration and ownership of being Black um, mm-hmm. across the board. And one more thing we're going to wrap up. I got one more tip too. Absolutely hold people accountable. If somebody is black, white, or whatever did you wrong, hold that person accountable. But do not hold the entire race who is also oppressed like you accountable. And then Mm. don't do that, right? Hold people accountable, but really understand the context that you exist in and see and hold those in power accountable for making you all oppressed in the first place. I just want to make sure I differentiate that somebody did you wrong. Please don't say Jennifer Townsend told me I should embrace you and love you. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Hold people accountable, but don't, don't generalize everybody and all of your blackness and, and separate from them because of the few people that have, that have hurt you. Cause we're not all like that's that, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's a great, really, really good point. Um, Jessica, that was so wonderful because 
I, I did not subscribe to calling myself black for a long period of time. And it wasn't because I didn't see myself as black. I just felt like it was a construct. And so why would I even subscribe to it? You know, last weekend I spoke with uh, Dr. Julius Garvey, Marcus Garvey's uh, only son. And he said, I don't use the word black. I don't identify myself as black. And I thought that, you know, that's a very interesting um, stance to take. But when most of the people that you're trying to reach identify as black, you have to start where they are. Like, that's exactly what it is. We know it's a construct, but that's the language that's used. So I do appreciate you for bringing that up because that's, that's a real thing. Yeah. Well, ladies, this has been incredible. I already know that we could go on for ever. And I just want to thank you. And I hope that our listeners have really learned from, you know, understanding the difference between stereotypes and generalizations, really understanding where the self-hate comes from and where to start, what to do if you find yourself on the receiving end of someone who's like, you not pure African, you not pure Jamaican, you not pure African-American, you from someplace else. You start with self-love. You lean into those difficult conversations. Learn more about your stories because it is a, an act of self-love. And when Jennifer talked about really experiencing her people, experiencing her culture outside of trauma connections or trauma responses, I think that was an incredible action we can leave our listeners with. Make sure that you rate the show. Let Jennifer and Jessica know how grateful you are for their words of wisdom and empowerment. And as, as always, until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit ClaireCommunicationSolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at ClearCommunicationCoach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.